So welcome to episode eight of the Data Protection Tea Break with me, Tim Loveridge, and uh, my special guest as always, Rachel Marston, our Deputy Commissioner. Uh, and today we are intending to talk about something that's becoming more and more a hot topic, the idea of accountability, particularly with regards to data protection. We're also, during this podcast, going to play uh, some excerpts from a presentation that was given by Chris Doxey at a recent conference, uh, international conference on data protection in Tehran and Albania. And by way of introduction, Chris Doxey is first and foremost the Honorary Director of the European Data Protection Supervisor, and we'll discuss exactly what that is in a second, but also he's one of um, the Guernsey Data Protection Authority's board members, and we're very proud to have him on our board. Uh, Rachel, could you just explain who the European Data Protection Supervisor is? Yes, the European Data Protection Supervisor is the regulator for European Union institutions when it comes to data protection. So the various European Union institutions, the Parliament, uh, the Commission, various other aspects of it, Europol, for example, are all spread out across Europe. Um, but because they're all part of the European Union um, executive and the setup, uh, the European Data Protection Supervisor regulates their data protection compliance in much the same way as we regulate for our local community. So they're all what, based in Brussels, are they? No, very, in various different locations. Okay. Um, but they all fall within the remit of, of the European Data Protection Supervisor. So there's consistency across the board for European Union institutions. So on to the topic, and I think just to start the conversation, uh, we will be, as I said, uh, taking excerpts or extracts from uh, Chris's uh, presentation which he gave, but I think we want to touch on it as well because we feel it's so important um, across the whole data protection world, if you like, uh, but it's particularly relevant to Guernsey. And um, when, when we talk about the seven data protection principles, if you have a look at the, um, the booklet that we, uh, we make available to everybody, we talk about accountability as the seventh data protection principle. And we always refer to it as the big one. It's the important one. It's the one that takes us over and above compliance. And I think we, and particularly Chris during his presentation, wanted to explore that in much more depth uh, and just to see where that was going to take us. And, uh, and that's really what we want to discuss today. To explain what accountability is, what we mean by accountability, here's a clip from Chris's speech. So what does accountability mean? It's a, an amorphous word. Richard will tell us it's derived from uh, the Anglo-Saxon for keeping accounts. Um, and it's, uh, you do have some translations into um, uh, other languages which have this similar nuance of financial accountability, Rechenschaftspflicht in German, and Rosli Kalnocz in, in Polish. And yes, there is something for that. Other languages just use the word responsibility, la responsabilité in French. Uh, but this doesn't work for me because it's too close to two other concepts. Simple compliance, that is not enough, and legal liability for non-compliance. You're responsible, you're legally responsible. Accountability is something different. And in fact, the, the people who got it right are the people in Colombia and Spain and their translations. La responsabilidad proactiva from Spain, actively developing compliance, and la responsabilidad demostrada from Colombia, being able to demonstrate it and put them together and you have accountability. 
actively developing compliance and being able to demonstrate compliance. In fact, accountability therefore is actually a term of art. What matters is what it is and not what it's called. And if you remember Romeo and Juliet, and Romeo had certain problems with the fact that Juliet was a Capulet, and uh, uh, you have this expression, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And so uh, for the delegations at the International Conference, I said, if you have a problem translating accountability, then think of it as a rose, which is lovely to behold, but supported by sharp thorns, by sanctions. So, supported by sharp thorns, Rachel. What, what, let's explore exactly what we interpret from what Chris was saying there. Taking what Chris was saying, looking at this idea of a, a rose, then it is something that, as he said, is eminently desirable, something that we want, something beautiful, uh, something blossoming, something that continues to grow. There are sharp thorns there, whether they be um, potential penalties for if things don't go right, whether that be um, perceived difficulties in um, engaging with accountability and being able to demonstrate accountability. Uh, it still all forms part of the same beautiful item and this idea of the rose of accountability flowering across the globe which has um, something that Chris demonstrated in his presentation as he tracked accountability's inception back in the 1980s all the way through to uh, GDPR, our own legislation and other legislation going forwards. Yeah because I thought what was quite interesting during his speech was he talked about his aha moment and um, I just and again I'd, I'd like to pull out that little clip and play it back to people where I think Chris just really realised what, what was meant by accountability. When I was head of the Secretariat of the European Data Protection Supervisor, I was at the same time a regulator and the data controller. And I made sure that the EDPS was very compliant, but I didn't yet know what accountability meant. And I had to have a Eureka moment or a... Damascus moment uh, to understand, but I wasn't in the bath like Archimedes, and I wasn't on the, the road to Damascus like St. Paul. I was on the train to Paris to give a talk to chief privacy officers, that is DPOs in the private sector, and I read a handbook on the train which set out what accountability actually en entails. And I understood and I realised that our organisation was compliant, but not accountable. And I actually remember getting a sinking feeling and thinking, oh dear, I hope they don't ask me what we're doing to be accountable. And fortunately, being a very sweet-natured bunch, the privacy officers uh, uh, let me through and I returned safely to Brussels. And then it took over two years to change the EDPS from being a compliance organisation to being an accountable one. And when we talk about our aha moments or our Damascus moments, Eureka, whatever you want to call it. I think for me, that realisation about that it's a different level from compliance in its traditional form. Uh, I actually realised that when I was listening to Chris the first time. It, it's, you, you start to process this and you start to think, yes, this is, this is what it's, this is about. And uh, I'm curious, Rachel, as to when you had your aha moment. So can you just... Tell us about that. I think my aha moment took place over a rather longer period of time than aha would demonstrate. 
it was uh, the um, idea of accountability was raised in the GDPR and transferred into our legislation. So I'd seen it in draft form, but it probably wasn't until I went to a seminar in Paris last year, at which Chris was speaking again, but which was run by the Centre for Information Policy Leadership, where they were talking about accountability, what that meant to organisations, but what it meant for regulators as well, that I fully grasped what needed to be done in order to demonstrate both as a controller that our organisation is accountable but that we're taking accountability on board as a regulator and that we're allowing and enabling organisations to demonstrate that they're accountable and using the full power of that principle around data protection and the protection of individuals' personal data. Here's Chris to explain that shift. If we go back to the OECD guidelines in 1980, we can see the word accountability. But there, it just meant compliance with legal obligations. And as I realised on the train to Paris, compliance is different. It is not enough just to comply with your legal requirements. It's a fundamental shift in approach. And one way of understanding it is that accountability has moved data protection from an adjective to a verb. So what we had was an adjective, a definition of who was the person responsible, and now we have a verb an activity. What is the person responsible doing? When we talk about the road to accountability, I think it's a good idea to think of that in a pragmatic way uh, and to see it as maybe a toolbox full of useful tools that we can use to achieve that. Um, Rachel, do you want to expand on that? Do you want to talk about what we might choose from our toolbox? The new data protection law locally has built into it the concept of privacy by design and privacy by default. And that's the idea that Whenever you're looking at your systems, processes, putting new IT in place, deciding what you're going to do with personal data, you think about privacy from the very beginning. So you build that in, you build how you're going to comply with the law, how you're going to deal with data subject rights, and you make sure that that's fundamental to the processing that you carry out. Uh, Allied to that are things like records of processing activities, so understanding your processing you're doing, recording that, documenting that, so that you can provide that to anybody that requires evidence of what you're doing with data and the thought that you've put into um, the processing you're doing. And that's something as a regulator we we may well ask for if we receive a complaint from an individual about the manner in which their data has been processed. So having that record allows you to demonstrate Um, that you're taking things seriously and putting measures in place. And thinking about measures, there's security measures, so what are you doing around security about protecting that personal data? And when um, that goes wrong, how are you handling data breaches? What's your notification process um, with regards to notifying us at the um, ODPA? But also how are you handling those um, data breaches internally? What are you doing to put things right? What lessons are you learning um, when data is perhaps compromised? Other things in the toolbox include data protection officers, so there's a mandatory requirement for some organisations to have data protection officers, but you can voluntarily uh, declare a a data protection officer and the law covers what that officer is required to do um, and and the role that they play in um, data protection compliance and accountability. Another aspect, another tool in the box is the the data protection impact assessment. So that is understanding at an early stage what privacy risks there may be around processing, taking all those into account, talking to various stakeholders to understand what their concerns may be, and then building in privacy. So very much 
uh, aligned to the first point we talked about around. Yeah, can I just say I think that, that whole impact assessment process is really important and we would like to see much more of that. It's it's a very good way of assessing um, things you're about to do. I mean, do you want to talk more about the, the way that sort of hangs together? Yes, um, the law requires in some circumstances that um, data protection impact assessments are carried out. So where there's large-scale processing of special category data or where there's profiling, for example, you will be required by law to do a data protection impact assessment, but it is best practice, regardless of the level of processing you're doing, to understand what that looks like. Um, And it can vary depending um, about the sort of information you're processing. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a huge piece of work if it's a small process you're looking at, but it does mean that you're taking into account privacy concerns and how you're going to reduce the risk of those um, concerns. Sitting alongside the data protection impact assessment process is the concept of prior consultation. So if you have been required to do an impact assessment and the risk of the processing remains high, there is a requirement to pass that to us at the regulator's office um, so that we can assess it, we can determine whether that is too high a risk. We can provide some advice and guidance and. Um, about how you might look to mitigate that risk or in some extreme circumstances we could request that processing cease or never be put in place if the risks remain too high. Um, And then the last couple of things in the um, toolbox are codes of conduct and certification. So those are ways in which business sectors perhaps might want to look at certain problems they're experiencing or certain processing they're doing in order to put in place a mechanism by which um, organisations are able to demonstrate their compliance and accountability. So certain standards that are expected across uh, maybe a, a, you know the insurance industry, for example, about the way they might want to handle their personal data that shows they're taking data protection seriously and putting certain mechanisms in place to protect that. And if you are operating to a code of conduct, that can be used to demonstrate, as I say, accountability and can provide um, the mechanism you need in order to um, conduct the processing you want to. So, for example, if you're transferring um, personal data to a um, usually unauthorised jurisdiction, if you're doing that in accordance with an established code of conduct, then that is a mechanism that would allow that without extra burdens in place. When, when Chris was talking about the toolbox, I think he was very keen to emphasise the fact that we should see them as helpful tools um, rather than extra obligations, uh, sort of part of the solution, not the problem. But he also looked at it in a slightly different way as a philosophy. Another way of looking at accountability is as a philosophy, being a responsible and ethical steward of personal information. There are various roads to enlightenment. I had my aha moment on the train to Paris. Um, It can also come to top management if they receive an effective message. Many top managers realize that although privacy is an extra burden, it's something that has to be done. So Tim Cook, the, the, the head of Apple was like that. And a few years ago, he was at the same meeting as the former EDPS Giovanni Buttarelli. And he invited Giovanni to a quick 15-minute meeting. These top American uh, um, uh, people are very busy and asked him to explain all this privacy stuff. And Giovanni responded by asking him, do you know the name of your chief privacy officer? And they went on from there. And Giovanni came out of that meeting over an hour later. And Tim Cook had had his aha moment. 
From a practical perspective, let's listen to what Chris has to say about the four elements of accountability. There is a whole list of things you do in a privacy management programme, and I would just mention four key elements of somebody who wants to be accountable. And the first one is organisations must take responsibility for the personal data they are handling. That starts with top management commitment, taking data protection seriously, being honest, managing risks. But then they have to ensure that management at all levels are giving their support and staff, because otherwise you can end up with a really nice looking privacy policy, which will be a hollow shell. Then the second thing is, once you've got that commitment, you adopt your privacy management program. Don't have to do everything at once. You can do it step by step, prioritize. Accountability is a process. You have to give it constant care and attention. And the elements of a privacy management program are set out in a number of documents, but I would underline what I think are the two most important. Firstly, the appointment of a privacy professional, the data protection officer or the chief privacy officer, who is the person or the team who will ensure the internal implementation of that privacy management program. In 2010, the Article 29 Working Party described the DPO as the cornerstone of accountability. And this year in Stockholm, the Nordic data protection authorities recognized the importance of accountability and said they would help ensure GDPR compliance by supporting DPOs in their important tasks. And then the second thing I would emphasize here is transparency. Transparency of the measures and the privacy management program, transparency of what you do. That goes to the heart of the principle of accountability, telling data subjects, regulators, and the public how you are processing personal information. And this is important because sometimes it's not the processing itself that's the problem. It's the lack of transparency to users. And if you look at the scandals this year about the smart assistants, and you ask yourself, what if Google, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, instead of doing what they did secretly, had announced they wanted to make recordings of their smart assistants. And they would like human beings to volunteer to check these recordings for quality purposes. And they set out a clear framework what they were going to do with safeguards. You would not have had the scandals this summer and the articles in the New York Times and why are you snooping on me? And then a couple of weeks ago in The Guardian, Alexa, are you avoiding, are you invading my privacy? So transparency is a very important element of accountability. Accountability is one of the principles of the data protection legislation, but there are four other reasons Chris gave at the presentation as to why it is important for organisations to embrace accountability. And so we'll listen to those now. There are very clear advantages for organisations. We can get to them and tell them these advantages. Preparation for the known unknowns. We know that there are going to be subject access requests, data breaches, complaints, investigations. We don't know when, but we know. And the GPEN data sweep in 2018 found, disappointingly, that a number of organizations have no processes in place to deal with complaints and data subjects uh, queries and are not equipped to handle data security incidents appropriately. So there is a gap there which, which can be solved by accountability. 
Secondly, when the regulator calls, there will be a documented privacy policy to show the regulator. Rajana Bellamy, the uh, head of the uh, CIPL, uh, will tell us that regulators should take demonstrated accountability into account when carrying out investigations and enforcement. And you can see this approach in regulators' policy. For example, the Singapore regulators' model artificial intelligence governance framework of last year. What it says is that adopting this voluntary framework doesn't absolve you of compliance, but it does demonstrate that you have implemented the necessary accountability-based practices. And the ICO says, show us your records and we will take that into account. And indeed, some people think that legislation one day could provide a safe harbour uh, in principle. So the uh, the AIF have drafted this model accountability law for the United States, uh, which says an accountable organization that has satisfied the statutory requirements, the code of conduct, or a privacy impact assessment should not be subject to civil penalties. And then the third advantage, and that's one which the EDPS have argued very strongly, and that um, Emma Martins argues very strongly, is that accountability provides a competitive uh, advantage. Strong privacy policy, particularly on the website, means consumer trust and a strong reputation. And finally, we are all faced now with this game changer, artificial intelligence. It is changing the whole world in which we operate. And accountability provides us a methodology for dealing with artificial intelligence. The accountability toolbox is there. The tools are there, they just have to be adapted to respect privacy and to develop artificial intelligence at the same time. For example, three tools, risk assessment under the GDPR and under the Guernsey law, automated decision making with legal or significant effects on data subjects will trigger a data protection impact assessment. Privacy by design and privacy by default will mean that an organisation designs in meaningful human review when it's necessary and transparency means that the public are informed on the values that are underpinning the decisions uh, that are made by machines. At the beginning of this session we talked about the beauty of accountability and compared it to the rose with the beautiful petals of the rose but of course you've also got those sharp thorns that we've mentioned and Chris went on towards the end of his presentation to talk about those thorns and what they mean around accountability. Now what happens when things go wrong? Have no illusions, things will go wrong. Uh, Murphy's Law, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. So for an accountable um, controller who wants to do the right thing, that means you're prepared in advance, you've organized your security, you've put all the procedures into place, and when things, as they do, go wrong, you're in a good place when the regulator calls. But if you fail to plan, if you fail to be accountable, you are planning to fail. And when something goes wrong, you will be sanctioned and you will be even fined, as Marriott and BA are finding out this year, courtesy of the ICO. And indeed, administrative fines in the GDPR and in the Guernsey legislation are there to support accountability. There is the same wording 
for accountability and for fines, risks of varying likelihood and severity for the rights and freedoms of natural persons. If you're accountable, you will have taken those risks into account. If you're not, you risk being fined. Chris concluded his presentation with this. And then if I make one final point, an accountable organisation will develop naturally towards what we call accountability 2.0, which is more than avoiding risk to your customers. It's responsive, creates value for individuals and society, as well as for organisations. It's transparent, it says what it's doing and why, and it is also ethical, because we as data processors relate to data processing as fellow human beings. So looking forward to Accountability 2.0, I would like to quote Giovanni Buttarelli at the International Conference last year. Not everything that is legally compliant and technically feasible is morally sustainable. Thanks everybody for listening to, to this latest podcast. We hope you found it of interest. Uh, if you want to listen to the whole of Chris's presentation, you can find it on our website. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.